Hey everyone, I'm Brian Treadaway, the pastor at Vertical Church. It's our desire here to lift him up and live him out. We hope today's broadcast will inspire you to do the same. So enjoy today's message. Our children are down the room with us today because we're celebrating some baptisms today. It's going to be a great day. Amen. Yeah. We have eight being baptized today. who committed their life to Jesus Christ and making that public. Amen. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah, we're part of our series today called Seeing Red. So I want to go ahead and uh, look at some scripture today before we do our baptisms and talk about what it means to overcome destructive anger in our lives. I think every person in the room can relate to what I'm talking about. Amen. All right, thank you very much, very good. So I'm sure we all remember the news of April 17th, 2013. A small fire begins in the city of West, not too far from here. It's at the West Fertilizer Company. First responders rush to the site and at 7.50 p.m. the plant explodes. They say the explosion created a crater in the ground 93 feet wide. It resulted in the death of 15 people, over 160 injuries, 150 buildings in the town damaged, including the West Middle School and a 50-unit apartment building. Records later revealed that the last time the plant had been inspected by federal officials was 1985. 30 years had passed with little to no consideration for safety precautions and adherence to standards. There were no locks on the doors of the facility. There were no fences that surrounded its grounds. It was later determined by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives that the fire had been deliberately set. It's tragic. It's a tragic combination of materials ignited by a fire that caused tremendous damage. You know, anger in our lives left unchecked unguarded, undealt with, can lead to some destructive and explosive moments in our lives that can cause damage not just to us, but people around us that we may have never intentionally intended for it to happen to. But anger left unchecked will do that. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, an angry man stirs up strife. Someone who is at a, a low boil place in their life where they just carry around this tension, where they carry around some past hurts, where they carry around some resentment and some bitternesses, 
produces this low boil of anger. And if it's not ever dealt with, if there's not ever attempted to be some type of resolve, if there's not any locks put on, some fences put up, it certainly risks hurting some other people. When you get to this low boil place, it seems like it doesn't take much to just set you off. Things that shouldn't normally have done that all of a sudden cause you to say some things you really wish you hadn't have said later, to do some things you really hadn't planned on doing, and it becomes almost uncontrollable and it's destructive. It's surprising the number of people who carry around the, the destructive mix that can cause an explosion of anger. They carry around some long-term guilt. They're holding on to things that they did 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years ago, and it, it has never been dealt with in their life. They've not, they've not applied the forgiveness of Christ to it, and so it stays there at just a low boil. They carry around the guilt. They carry around some rejection that came maybe from a mom or from a dad or from a group of people, and, and it causes this temperature rise within them. They carry around some fear. They carry around some unresolved hurts. And boy, they are just waiting for the moment. Perhaps you've walked up on a situation like that before, where you've said something to someone, did something in front of someone, and they just unloaded on you. And you're like, whoa, 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 hold up. What in the world is going on? Can anybody relate? Amen? Yeah. Maybe you've been that person that they showed up in front of, and you know, you're driving down the highway, and someone cuts you off, and you're just like, and like, I don't know where that came from, right? It comes from places in us often that are unresolved. They become this place of unrest, unsettledness in our soul, and we're just waiting for the moment to explode. It's, it's for people in that place, it's for us in that moment, that Jesus said this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus invites us to come and surrender, to let go, to find healing, to find hope for the places of hurt, rejection, resentment, frustration, bitterness, Jesus says, come to me. Let me just give you some clues if you're curious about whether you're a person who sees red all the time. Here's some ways you might know that you're seeing red more than you ought to. If your first thought when someone hurts you is revenge instead of forgiveness, you may be seeing red. If your first thought is to make someone pay instead of showing them mercy, you may be seeing red. If your, if your first thought is anger instead of understanding, you may be seeing red. And if your first thought is to lash out with your words instead of being patient, you may be seeing red. This is why Jesus said, come to me. Bring your hurts, bring your burdens, bring your guilt, bring your shame. Come to me 
and I, I alone can give you rest. A place of surrender, a place of release. You see, here's the pattern that you and I were made for. So like in just physical life, here's here's how you live, watch this. You do this every day, you're doing it right now. This is it. That's how you live. You breathe in, you breathe out. If you leave off one of those, you're gonna be in trouble with your life, right? (laughs) Try not breathing in for a while, you're gonna have some trouble. Try breathing in, not breathing out, you're gonna run into some trouble in about a minute or two, right? This is how we were designed to physically live. It is the same way we spiritually live. We breathe in what God says to us, all his love and truth and his grace and righteousness in Jesus Christ, the salvation, redemption that's ours, peace that's ours, you breathe all of that in, all of his commands to walk in his ways and follow him and trust him and have faith in him, you breathe all that in, but you also breathe it out and you walk it out. You breathe in forgiveness and you give out forgiveness when you're offended. You breathe in the grace that he has shown to you, his unmerited favor that you did not deserve, and you breathe out faith that believes and trusts him. You breathe in his word, you breathe out obedience. You breathe in his trust, and you breathe out surrender. If you try to do one without the other, you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna create some tension in your life. If you are soaking up and breathing in what God says to you, but never living it out, you actually are creating some tension in your life. If you're breathing in, Jesus is Lord. I I love you, Jesus. I celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. If you breathe all of that in, but when someone turns to you and offends you and you don't give that out, you are only increasing the tension and pressure inside. You were made to breathe in and breathe out. Inhale, exhale. Now, I want to illustrate this today in the short amount of time we have with a balloon. So, Nick, come up on stage. I don't mean just a little balloon, I mean a larger balloon. This is a balloon, a big balloon. It's gonna get bigger. And Nick is gonna sit here for a while, and I know you're about to start paying attention to him a whole lot more than you're gonna pay attention to me, but that's okay, because it'll serve a purpose here. Nick is just gonna sit there. Now, let me tell you what's gonna happen, even though when it happens, you're gonna jump. There's gonna come a point here in the next several minutes when that balloon will pop. Because I've instructed him to keep doing that until it pops. So just keep going, Nick. You can pick up the pace a little if you want to there. His arms are going to start burning, and you're going to keep watching him. You probably already are. And I just want to warn you ahead of time, it's going to pop. And when it pops, it's going to be loud. It's, it's big. The other day, we tried this in the office, and uh, I, mean, I pumped for a while. Hunter was there, he pumped on it for a while. Caleb came over, he pumped for a while. Our arms are burning, and they said, okay, you take it back. So I took it back and I went, shh, boom, and it just popped and I couldn't hear for several minutes. Of course, I was right up on it, so that, that's not gonna happen to you. I'm gonna just let you know ahead of time. So if you're prone to doze off in the service, just be alert, this is going to happen. If you're, if you're prone to carry a weapon in the service, just be alert, it's a balloon. 
It's a balloon. That's all it is. Okay. All right. So just, you're doing great, Nick. Just keep up the work there. You see, what's happening here is breath, air, is going into the balloon. But you know what's not going out of the balloon? Air. It's not going out. It's going in. And it's increasing its tension. If you were to walk over and feel that balloon right now, you would feel its surface getting more and more tense. It's, it's swelling. It's, it's getting tense. As I said, that's what happens when you take in, but you don't give out. When you take in, but you don't surrender. You create tension in your life. It's creating tension in this room right now, isn't it? Yeah? <laughs> That's good, that's what I wanted to happen. I want you to feel the tension. I want you to experience what you already experience when you don't let Christ resolve the hurts and issues in your life. You create more and more tension. Now there's an interesting verse in the Old Testament book of Proverbs 29. It talks about somebody who continually has had truth given to them but they refuse to obey, they refuse to surrender. Check this out in Proverbs 29, verse one. He who is often rebuked, in other words, often presented with truth, and hardens his neck, it's a visual for a tension, a resistance, someone that bows up and refuses. Someone says, I am not going to do that. And so, someone who is continually presented with truth, and they keep resisting, it says, will suddenly, which is about to happen here, be destroyed, it's gonna come in a moment you don't know, and that without remedy. Hey, there is a real danger in allowing tension to build in your life, to allow anger to continue in your life. You're setting yourself up for a place of destruction for yourself, but also for others. There's collateral damage. You doing all right, Nick? Oh, yeah. Good. Just keep on, keep on going. Hey, it's a 36-inch balloon. Good. Keep on going. I, I will say this morning we had another one I was just testing before the service, and we got to about two feet, and it was gone. So I don't know when it's going to go off, but I'm going to keep talking anyway. All right? He who is often rebuked. This is somebody who has, God's been speaking to them, and they've refused to hear. And then God sends other people to speak to them, and they still refuse to hear. They, they bow up. They resist. They refuse. They won't surrender. They tense up. It's breathing without release. It's the same for someone who refuses to forgive someone who's hurt them. You're increasing the tension. It's the same for somebody who refuses to obey what God has called them to. You're increasing the tension. For someone who refuses to give when God's called them to, you're increasing the tension. For someone who's refusing to surrender their life to Christ, for someone who's refusing to repent of a sin, you are pushing God away. You're increasing the tension. When you do that, you're going to cause tension in every part of your life, in your mind and your emotions and your relationships. You'll live with anger. 
You'll live with unexpected verbal outbursts. Something will happen and you'll just be blah all over somebody and you'll just, you may regret it later, I hope you do, but some people don't. They're so tense, so caught up in all of this stuff that hasn't been resolved in their life that they just explode verbally on people. They find themselves at a place even saying things in their language that they wish they hadn't said. They can't control their language. They can't control even cursing and whatever it is that they do, they can't control it because they've got anger built up within them. They've got bitterness. They have no self-control in their life. The tension's increasing. They have conflict with other people because they don't know how to show understanding and mercy and peace and grace to others. They end up having health issues because the tension is increasing and they won't surrender their life to Christ. It could show up in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it shows up with an actual lack of energy because you're so emotionally charged all the time that by the time you get home and sit down, you're like, I'm done, I'm done, I can't talk to anybody else. You may even find yourself depressed, addicted. These are so far from what Christ intended for us to live in. We know that Jesus said we're intended to have love for others, not anger. We're intended to have joy even in difficult circumstances, not tension. We're created in Christ to have peace in our heart, not unrest. Doing all right, Nick? Man, that's getting big. Awesome. (laughs) We're created in Christ to be patient with others, not quick-tempered. We're created in Christ to be kind toward others, not vengeful. We're created in Christ to show goodness, not selfishness, to show gentleness, not harshness, to be faithful, not all over the page with our emotions and highs and lows and outbursts and sorrow, and to have self-control. I was in a church setting many, many years ago, and there was a man in our church who, was, who struggled with anger. And you never knew when he was going to go off on somebody, kind of like you're feeling right now about this balloon. And those of us that knew him were regularly praying for control. Spirit of God, please, just keep control. At home, at church. So during this time, someone shows up at the church that had actually been doing some work, and this man did not know Christ. And we talked to him often about coming to the church. Come to meet some of these people. Come to see what it's like to meet Christ. And he said, no, no, I've never been to church. I'm not going to church. I, I've never done that. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. You, you, know, you can't trust people. People are all hypocritical. We can't do that. I'm not going to go to church. And we prayed and we prayed and we waited and we waited. Finally, the man said, all right, I'll come. I'll come on a, on a Wednesday night. I'm not going to do Sunday morning. I'll come on a Wednesday night. So he agreed. I remember looking down the hallway and seeing him and his family come in the door. Well, what was happening that night was another scenario in the worship area. And this man who struggled with anger had something go wrong. Something happened he didn't like, and he exploded. I mean, next thing you know, He is angry, and it happened quickly. He got to the point where he was yelling. And this is three minutes before the service is about to start. People are coming in, and he is 
he has lost control. He's out doing this and yelling, and, and so pastor gets him and takes him off into a room, but not before this man coming down the hall hears and sees all of that. I remember looking down the hall and seeing that man turn around and go out the door, and someone went after him and said, wait, 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 where are you going to come? And he said, I am not going in that place if people act like that in there, and he left. He never came back. I thought, that's so tragic. It's terrible in that moment. Someone who lost control. Someone who had been refusing to let God have control of their life, refused to surrender, exploded in that moment, and it had destructive collateral damage. Not just to those who were there in the room that night, but to that man who to this day, I don't know if he ever came to know Jesus Christ or not. I would hate to think it was because of that moment, though. It's tragic. Those who live with that kind of tension in their life, those who refuse to surrender, put themselves in a place of anger. Man, that is getting huge. I see you with your phones. That's good. I want you to record it. But you're still, you're thinking about that. Did you even hear the story I just told? Yeah? I hope you did. Refusing to surrender creates this kind of tension. And it just gets worse, and it gets worse, and we don't know how or when it's going to go off. The Bible offers hope, though, for those who are in places of tension like this. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says this, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love this verse and I love the truth here. And it's interesting to me the word refreshing is often used as the word breath. So that a, a rest, a time of refreshing may come from the Lord so that all those areas where there has been tension, where there's been conflict, where there's been unrest, where there's been anger, where there's been bitterness, where there's been hurts that have been held on to, you can finally come to Christ and you can find the place of rest, of resolve, of peace. The tension is melted away, the frustration is set aside, the unrest is met with rest in Christ, and there's no more anger. But the book of Acts is very clear, if you wanna see that happen in your life, you have to get to a place where you repent. You choose to turn from where you've been. You choose to walk in another direction. You stop what you've been doing and you go in another direction. He says, repent therefore and be converted. Turn and walk the other way. Now this was true for those who had not come to know Christ, but it's also true for us. If you're walking in a place right now where there's tension and anger and angst in your life, you're holding on to something you shouldn't be holding on to. You're, you're all caught up in something you weren't meant to have in you. And it's in those moments that you come to Christ and you repent. You change your way. You let go of the hurt. You choose to forgive. You choose to be patient. You choose to be understanding. You repent. Oh my God. 
I told you it was going to be loud. Give Nick a hand. Thank you, Nick. Woo, man. Yes, sir. I could have got a 17-inch balloon, but I wanted a 36 one just for that moment right there. Whew, man. Yeah, you should, you should be where Nick was, though, when that thing. Nick, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, his ear's going to be ringing for a while. What a great picture of what happens when we refuse to surrender. You know, the Bible has given us many pictures to help us understand what it means to surrender. And one of the most beautiful is the picture of baptism. Right here on stage is a trough that's filled with water, and it's warm water. And we have eight people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, and they're coming to make a public statement today about their belief in him. And there's a beautiful picture in this. I want you to see this verse before we do that this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, our last verse this morning. 1 Peter 3, verse 21 says this, And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. You see, what's going to happen here is we're going to bring some people up and put them in the water. We're going to lower them into the water, in a sense, burying them like Christ was buried for us. We are buried our old life in him, who we were as sinner, who we were as rejected, who we were as condemned, is dying but we will not leave them in the water. We're going to bring them back up out of the water because Jesus did not stay dead. He was resurrected, amen, and they are resurrected into new life. They no longer carry badge of sinner, condemned, rejected, unclean. Now they bear a new name, forgiven, cleansed, accepted, child of God, holy, righteous, beloved, and this is their new identity. The water has no magical power to it. The water is not what's making them clean. It's the blood of Christ that's made them clean. Amen? But this verse tells us that this water and this baptism is a response to God from a clear conscience. Your conscience. That part of you that, that points out when you've failed, messed up, done wrong. That part that speaks to you about what's right and what's wrong. The Spirit of God lives there in that place. And when we confess that Christ has died for us, when we confess faith in Him, when we confess that we've been made clean, then this is the proper response because this is surrender. This is God, I let go of what I used to be and I am raised to what you say I am. Amen? So we celebrate with these and then we ask ourselves some questions. Where are you today when it comes to anger, frustration, tension, resentment. Do you need to exhale what God has given you? He's given you forgiveness. Maybe it's time to breathe that forgiveness towards someone else. 
He has breathed into you righteousness. It's time to breathe out and walk in righteousness. He has breathed into you that he is Lord of all. Maybe it's time to breathe out full trust and surrender to him. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray? And I know for every one of us, there are areas in our life that God is speaking to right now. Areas where he's calling us to surrender. Areas that you've been holding on to and you've refused to surrender. And as a result, it's created tension in your life. And right now, God is calling you to let them go. To breathe in what he said to you, but to breathe out obedience. To breathe in his truth and to breathe out surrender. So for whatever is causing you the tension this morning, would you surrender that to God? Father, today, we're thankful that because of what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness for our sin. We don't have to carry around the weight of guilt. We don't have to carry around the shame. We don't have to carry around the tapes of our past, replaying them to remind us of what we've done. Instead, we are breathing in the reality of Jesus Christ today, and we are breathing out gratefulness for what you've done for us. We're breathing in your love, and we're breathing out joy. We're breathing in redemption, and we're breathing out peace. So today, Father, we come to surrender into your hands what we keep holding on to. And Father, I thank you for these eight today who come, who have come to a place of life surrender. They are saying they're making the ultimate surrender today with their life to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I thank you for them, for family, for friends who are here, for a church that is gathered to celebrate this day. May it forever be in their memory as the day all things became new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get started with some baptisms today. And the way we're going to do that first today is, uh, is have a dad come. Tim, you come. And uh, Emily and Israel, y'all come too. Y'all may not have had a chance to meet the Rasmussens yet. I pray you get to before too long. Y'all come up over here on this side here. Yeah, come on up. Tim has had the uh, privilege as a dad of, of baptizing all of his kids up to this point, and actually with me standing nearby. That's been a pretty cool deal. And so today, these two come, the younger ones of the Rasmussen family. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is Emily, and this is Israel. And they've come to say that they are believers in Jesus Christ. So Tim, who do you want to baptize first? Take Israel? All right, come on in, Israel. have a seat. There you go. Good. Awesome. 
Tim's excited today as a dad to be able to do this. It's a picture, of course, of what Christ has done as I pointed out and what we are doing. Old life gone, new life in Jesus Christ. Tim, buried with him in baptism, and he's raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. Here's Emily. It's a big step, literally. Have a seat. There you go. Emily, I know you've put your faith in Jesus Christ too, right? And your family's raised you to love him and follow him. So today, you are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. I want to ask Dudley Light to come to the stage now, along with his son-in-law and two grandsons. You know, it's, uh, it's quite an honor as a family member to get to see Christ at work, to get to baptize as well. What an honor. And if there are a family who'd like to come stand, y'all come on down as well. But we're going to give the mic to Dudley and uh, let Dudley say a few words before he baptizes. Good morning. If I get emotional, you'll have to forgive me. For all my grandchildren on the day they were born, I've been fortunate enough to be there. For my oldest daughter, it had to be anxiety because the first thing we were able to do when they handed me the first grandson was to lift him up thank Jesus and pray for them. So for a new mother, that was probably afraid I was going to drop him. <laughs> well, I didn't. So today is special for me. I know it's very special for them, special for our family, because this is just the total accumulation of living our lives for Christ and through them seeing it go forward. So with that, this is Austin, Brandon, and Chris, yeah. and we're going to baptize them now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I baptize thee in the name of Jesus Christ, raised to walk the new way of life. This one, he's a little bit bigger than me. So here we go. Brandon, baptize thee in the name of Jesus Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. Yeah. Amen. Chris was in the room when I raised Brandon up the first time. 
And the look on their face was kind of unusual because they thought I was going to drop them. Luckily, I didn't. So, Chris, with that, baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. There's plenty of water. Yeah, amen. Will you be the next? Yeah, amen. Thank you, sir. Amen. Let me ask Ace Lee to come to the stage now and family. You may know uh, Jim and his wife, most of all from this family. Jim, y'all and your family, come on up. And Ace comes today to be baptized. Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. So Ace came to me last week, and we talked a little bit, and he said he wanted to follow Jesus Christ. He said he wanted to be baptized, and he was very specific. He said, I want to have my anger washed away. I thought, wow, what a, what a remarkable statement for a young man to know at this age the connection between God's love, Christ's sacrifice, and his heart. And I'm excited for this whole family. I'm excited uh, for Jim, who I got to know first, to see the work that God's done in your life, right? And your family's life, and it's spreading. And so, Ace, this morning, we're excited that you've come to follow Jesus Christ. This baptism was a picture of what he did for you, and you now becoming his follower, right? All right, well, let me baptize you now as my brother in Christ. You're buried with him in baptism, and you're raised to walk in new life. Yeah, come on. Amen. Yeah. Let me invite Umberto to come to the stage. Berto and his family have been coming to Vertical for just a little while now, and we talked, and he said he wanted to put his, his trust in Jesus Christ and be, be a follower and be baptized. And um, kind of along the lines with Chris, come from Catholic background, we've seen that a lot here at Vertical, where people have come to see the fullness of Jesus Christ and to trust Him and to be baptized by immersion in Christ. So Umberto comes for that today and to be a part of our church and family. And uh, I get the double privilege because he's a neighbor of mine, lives right across the street. So uh, we're grateful for that. Umberto, come on in. Yeah, good. Yeah, amen. And he's got his family here. And Umberto comes to put his faith in Jesus Christ, to let it be known publicly that he loves and serves him. Amen. So Umberto. I baptize, baptize you as my brother in Christ. You're buried with him in baptism. And you're raised to walk in new life. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. And then finally this morning, I'd like to ask Cana to come to the stage. Cana came a couple of weeks back and said she would like to 
be baptized, make her faith public. <clears throat> and she's asked if you could say, if she could say a few words this morning. So here you go. All right. She's going to say more than a few words, but that'll be all right. Go ahead. If there's ever been a time in my life when I wanted to run and hide, now would be the time. Um, but with the way Pastor Brian has um, preached lately on, um, you know, God getting the glory out of our messes and out of our situations, I can't help but think, you know, just by me sharing a little bit of my story, who it may help. Um, uh, there's a verse that came, I came across it probably about eight years ago when I was in a really low point in my life. Um, and it's Joel 2.25, and it says, The Lord will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. And at that time in my life, um, I, I wanted to believe it, but I couldn't. Um, I was struggling really bad. Um, but now being where I'm at, you know, I can look back and see how the Lord's restored every one of those years. Um, and so for the, for the sake of time, I, I would love to go way back, but for the sake of time, I'm gonna start about 13 years ago when my husband and I had just married and we moved to Kentucky to help a pastor in his church. And, you know, I was excited about the opportunity. Um, you know, I just, I knew it was the right thing for us. And we got there though, and things um, were not what we were told. Um, pretty much right off the bat, it went south. Um, I was a preacher's wife. Um, so I had to, you know, I had to do the things that they said, but this was a bit extreme. You know, um, there was a lot of uh, rules and regulations. A lot of just really bad stuff happened to me while I was there. The um, emotional and mental abuse was severe. Um, I. Uh, I remember locking myself sometimes in the bathroom on Sunday mornings and I would turn the radio up so nobody could hear me cry um, as I was getting ready for church because I didn't want to go to church. Um, but I was forced to. Um, you know, I can remember several times my husband saying, well, if you would just do the things that they told you to do, you know, it wouldn't be so bad. And so I tried and I did those things. Um, it traumatized me in a lot of ways, but I think one of the things in one of the areas where it affected me the most um, was when it came to my views of God. Um, and what I thought of him, pretty much everything I thought I knew about him became a lie. Um, I believed everything that was said to me, you know, you're worthless, you're, you know, a piece of crap, you're never going to mount to anything, you should be thankful that your husband's a preacher because look where you come from, you know, and after so many years I believed those things um, and took them to heart. Um, I got to the point where um, I didn't want anything to do with anything to do with God. Um, I didn't believe in him anymore, I doubted everything that I ever thought I knew. Um, and then, you know, I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but last January, um, my husband and I decided to move. You know, we made the decision to move and we got here in March um, and we come to help um, his dad because his dad pastors a church around here. Um, we come to help him in his church. And again, I was excited because I like to help people and, you know, I thought it might be different. Um, and so we, you know, we came and right away, things kind of went south there too. Um, I started being treated the same way that I was all those other years and um, I suffered really hard for about five months um, and I remember um, before things took a turn for the good um, I remember writing in my journal um, in one of those last it was actually the last journal entry I wrote I wish you know I was never suicidal but I was at that point where I was done with life because I saw no hope I um, you know I thought there was no way out and I come to accept it for that's the way life was gonna be for me um, and it was a hard place to be. Um, uh, let's see. <laughs> but about not quite a year ago, um, things begin to take a turn for the better. Um, you know, I think sometimes when people, when God puts people in your life, you know, He knows exactly what you need um, when you need it. Um, you know, He could have, uh, 
he could have sent someone my way that, you know, didn't believe in God and would have not encouraged me in that way. And I would have ended up probably in worse shape than I am now. Um, but, and I don't want to embarrass her, <laughs> but um, uh, the Lord brought Jackie into my life. Um, and, you know, from, there was a lot of stuff that she's helped me with, but one of the main things would be my views of God um, and how I saw him. Um, she helped me to, to realize that you're not all those things that people said you were. Um, she helped me to see him for who he was. And it took a while, but once um, I got past that, you know, then I started coming here to Vertical. Um, and, you know, having her in the, because I was terrified of churches, so having her in the area made me feel really safe here. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've been, today actually makes six months since I've been coming here. Um, and I've been able to sit back and just really be able to listen to Pastor Brian and just really um, experience God for who he was. Um, and one of the things that, that she's done with me several times is prayed with me. Um, I can, um, you know, I can remember one time not too long ago, you know, I told her, I said, if, if this is what, because I've been through a lot these past few months, and I said, if this is God's way of trying to get my attention, I mean, I was really ticked off that day. Um, but, you know, one of the last times that she prayed with me was actually the Thursday before I came forward here. Um, and, you know, that Sunday morning, you know, Pastor Brian was talking about God getting the glory out of our messes again. And um, her words come back to me. Um, and they were, um, you know, when she was praying, she said, you know, Lord, help her to see that, you know, you're right there waiting patiently. You know, you're not, you're not rushing her. You're not nothing. So I, those words come to me and it's almost like I felt like God was saying, okay, it's, it's time now. Um, and so that's kind of what got me to where I'm at. So. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's beautiful. Kana, I welcome you then to these baptismal waters. And it's my prayer that today... The memory of this is forever in your heart and mind as a day of newness in Christ, that you remember who you now are in Him and not who you once were, that you remember the newness of what He's created in your heart, your old person washed away, and you are now made new in Christ. So I baptize you now as my sister in Christ. You are buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.